episode 155. Woo! Yes. We back, baby. We back. We back. We back. It's funny because I I went to California in the midst of the hiatus we had. And someone was there and they were like, oh, you have a podcast? I was like, I have a podcast. And they're like, oh, I'll subscribe. I'm like, well, we have a new one coming out. It's uh, it's not, not to spoil it for all the listeners who are waiting for us to tell what movie it is, but it was 1941. <laughs> like, oh, well, can't wait for the episode about 1941 to come out. And that was in January. So yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit. <laughs> They've been waiting for this episode. It has been a bit, but I mean, like, I don't know, man. I've been busy moving, you know, selling a house, moving, all that type of stuff. You guys have all done it, yeah. right? Everybody within like a year span did it. And then I was like, I got to hop on board, get on this bandwagon and do it. So I moved too. It's like, I got to right? try this moving thing. I'm definitely not trying that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, I really hate this. Oh, it <laughs> yeah, sucks. It. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's got to be the worst. Welcome to mo- well, welcome to move- Moving Cast, where we talk about moving. Ugh. Right, guys? And tips for moving, <laughs> where I would say throw away everything you own before you move and just yeah. move your body. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm going to be moving again here Fun soon. Stuff. I'm going to be buying a house. Are you? Yep. In this market? I'm In this market. I mean, I'm joking, man. That's exciting. I know. I've, I've waited long enough. I put it off, put it off, uh, wh- thinking that there's going to be a more advantageous time to buy, and it just never seems to come. I mean, it's like the only thing that hasn't corrected is the housing market. And, uh, well, I'm just going to take the plunge, and then, and then the housing market mm-hmm. will collapse. That's fine, though. That's, That's fine. You just, you just have bought your tomb. That's fine. It's just yeah, where you'll die. They'll just bury you in that house. Dude, sometimes yep. my wife will give me uh, she'll I'll like catch flack because the way I look. She's like, Kyle, you look like you're homeless. And right now I can be like, actually, <laughs> I own two homes. So. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Get her. But no, man, that's cool. That's cool. So getting a new house. Yeah. Do you have I, one like lined up? No, no. I'm gonna I've I've been talking with my realtor though. I'm I'm lining it up with when my lease kind of is coming to an end. I'm gonna go month to month for a few months, but uh just kinda how yeah. things are think uh I'm thinking, you know, everyone, you know, you know, uh tries to buy and get settled before the school year, so I will probably come in after that. I'll probably start looking kind of August, September. Once everyone else is kinda out of the there market and then it's just gonna be me out there all by myself. It's just you. Just, just me. swooping you in, like, in and a, people are putting them high, and you're like, "Look, I'm the only buyer, so uh-huh. you got to take what I'm given." They'll be like, ah, "Sir, okay. we had 30 offers just today." I'm like, uh, "Those are that's bullshit. That's the Chinese trying to buy all our real estate." <laughs> Welcome to Propaganda Cast, where we talk about Chinese investors buying uh, real estate in Ohio. We're launching a yeah, lot keep of podcasts keep it local, today. guys. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we're gonna branch out, get into get into some conspiracy theory pod podcast. No, I'm out on that one. Not doing it. All right, you know, no, we don't need to do it. We'll have our lackeys do it for us. I'm not doing conspiracy theory podcast. I'll do my <laughs> I do my library cast before I do the conspiracy for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Say, so listeners, sound off if you guys would listen to a a Brary Bros podcast about just a bunch of bros talking the Brary about the library talking about Brary's. And then we, we, we create a huge network of listeners, along with, the, obviously, the people who are doing the podcast, and all the networks they belong to and all these things. And we can get anything we want. Anything we want. You think of a movie, we can get it. Do you know why? Because some library out there has that movie and will get it for us. And we can watch it. Not watch all them. of them, man. I've been on the hunt for a few. I've been on the hunt. That'd be a fun game. Part, like you challenge. Part of, bro. part of the Brary Bros will be finding those ones that are really, really hard to find. You're like, oh, we can't find it. But someday, some Brary out there listening to our podcast, because they're huge fans, are like, well, we'll get it. They'll buy it. And all of a sudden, we can get it. Done. Brary Bros. Biblioteca in Spain, I know. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff that I'm after. A lot. But they're not going to ship some like... If we're I'm, world you know famous Prairie Bros, they will ship it because we're we're the Prairie Bros. They'll ship it to us. I I've been trying one. to get Kung Fury, the Blu-ray. All right, that is like a Kickstarter only thing, and some libraries like over in Sweden or whatever have it, but they're not going to ship that to me. There's no way. 
for the, pod, go to for them. the podcast. Yeah, exactly. For the should we expense it to the podcast? It's a cry for help. Anybody in Sweden, just get that. Get it, listeners. This you is can the, make, you, can make, you can make a contest out of it. You can challenge your peers on the podcast. Like you have to give them a movie, and they have to find it, and they give you a movie, and whoever comes back with the movie first using the library network wins the contest. That's pretty good. It's beautiful. It's like really good, actually. It's beautiful. Brary Bros. Done. That's the podcast now. Poet-ic. Stop. Stop listening to this podcast. Jump over to the new feed, Brary Bros. No. Also check out also check out Jamie's Stormcast where he talks about every storm that's <laughs> it's rolling in. <laughs> so storm rolling in. I'm live on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Should we get into this? I mean, I feel like it's been yes. so long. Should I we talk we about should. this Let's, movie uh, that is a thousand hours long? Let's sound the alarm. Dive, 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 dive. <laughs> began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, the artist formerly known as Brahm, Jamie the Ointment, Kyle El Capitan, and the gruesome twosome present Submersion. This movie is a thousand hours long, Jamie. Yeah, not originally, but in the version that you now see out, it's kind of like what's considered. I guess it's it's not just considered. It's the director's cut. So basically, like Spielberg recut it, and they made it 146 minutes, which is just like a scourge on the on the nation right now. It's these long ass movies. Like, can't we just get a movie that's like 90 minutes long? And there's some movies that you like fine, like. Top Gun Maverick, great. Sit in the movie theater, whatever. John Wick's out. John Wick 4, right? Like, that's a million hours long, but, like, it's a it's a reason. It's like you can handle it because, you know, it's a lot of action and stuff, right? So, that movie was originally, like, it's two hours, 45 minutes around that mark. It was originally supposed to be three hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Which, after watching it, I was like, I want that version. <laughs> I want even more. Right. I Oh my goodness! Love that movie. But yeah, Lord then, of the Rings was, territory yeah. there. But I've been trying to. I've been trying to watch all of the Spielberg movies I hadn't watched before, and all of the Scorsese films I hadn't watched before. I'm very, very close. So basically, when I wa- when we watched 1941, that's the movie we did. When we did watch 1941, I was still like 17 movies away or something from finishing. But it's been so long since we did the podcast. Now I'm only you know three movies away uh, wow. for both these directors. And like one of the ones I'm missing right now is where it says he's silence, which is about two uh, monks who travel to Japan oh. to try to find their mentor. Right. And you sit there and you're like, that's Liam Neeson, um, Adam Driver and oh, yeah, gosh. Andrew Garfield. Andrew yeah. Garfield, right? And it's, it, I looked, I was like, oh, I hope maybe this one's like, I don't know, like a, probably two hours long or whatever, three hours long. And I'm like, for the monks visiting Japan, we need to go through, we need to do three hours. Do we have to go three hours for the monks visiting Japan? And now it's like every movie that comes out, got to be that. Fablemans by Spielberg is like two hours and 30 minutes. Everything's like two hours, 30 minutes. They can't, people can't just make the 90-minute movie anymore. Kyle watched this in so many segments, it took him three months and about a 1,000 hours to get through it. <laughs> right, exactly. So 146 <laughs> minutes, you watched it in what, four-minute segments or something? I, no joke. Maybe I should wait till my review to talk about how many attempts, legitimate attempts, it took me to finish this movie. (laughs) You will be, look, this will be like a a clickbait thing. You will be shocked by the amount of attempts. Number seven will blow your mind. Uh, I was going to say on the Monk's comment, did you see Shia LaBeouf converted to Catholicism and Hmm. he's like a Catholic actor now and he's in a Catholic uh, movie about Padre Pio? I think he plays the titular Padre Pio. Yeah. Interesting. I don't, I'm not sure I, I like that. You know, I, I found him to be very interesting. <laughs> I have interesting. no idea what to think. Well, it, was, it was really weird. There's some people out there who I find to be very interesting actors and artists. And I'm not sure that's a great turn for necessarily getting like the weird performances that you would hope. Like he was, he was always an interesting actor. Hopefully this doesn't change that and he can continue to be an interesting actor. I could see it being very interesting putting him in. I mean, coming from something doing like Nymphomaniac to then being Padre Pio. 
Yeah. A, a saint in the Catholic Church. That's, that's a weird, it's a weird paradigm yeah. shift there. But uh, stay tuned. If there's a if there's a submarine in it, you know we will re- recap it here on the show. Is there a submarine in Nymphomaniac? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, they go down. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends <laughs> on what you're, your meaning, like what meaning you have for the word submarine, but I don't think so. Loose interpretation. Very huh? loose interpretation. I've never looked up submarine on Urban Dictionary, but maybe it's time to see what we can get ourselves into here. Oh, it says a sea uh, Nymphomaniac film. <laughs> All right, but as uh, as Kyle does that, and as Jamie alluded to, we watched 1941 from from the year 1979, directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, so big time, and obviously the the like a lengthy, lengthy a set of actors, a listers across the board uh, in this guy, and and even the ones that are like getting top billing were really only top billing more after than than necessarily currently uh, in a lot of this stuff. Like the main character is played by, well, I guess you'd say uh, it's not Tim Matheson. Who is the main actor? I actually don't even know. So it's so long you can't even find who the people are. Who well, are like, you'd say Wally, probably Bobby De, Yeah, I would De say Chico, Bobby DeChico, right? So like a nobody Chico, kind of. Not, not, to, not to offend Bobby DeChico. I know he's a listener of the podcast. So sorry, Bobby. But, um, you know, he's kind of a nobody compared to the rest of the people in this. And yet he's kind of the main character. So they really jam-packed this with like so many people, so many people uh, in, in, across the board. Mm-hmm. His love interest played by Nancy Allen. Uh, Nancy Allen. Uh, I, just, I just watched a movie with Nancy Allen. Uh, Poltergeist. Uh, Poltergeist. She was Poltergeist 3? Three? 3? <laughs> I was just talking with Kyle. I had an advertisement for Poltergeist yeah, 3. Yeah, she was Poltergeist 3. Yeah, yeah, that's right. While we were sitting Wait, in the lobby. Is that a new, that's like a new current movie, Poltergeist 3? No, Poltergeist 3 so. is from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, it was, there was three original Poltergeist films, and then they made a remake, and there was a TV show and oh, stuff. Oh, now there's American Poltergeist. Okay. It's not the real thing. 1941, no. though, also stars Dan Aykroyd, yeah. John Belushi, yeah. Treat Williams, Ned Beatty, and Christopher Lee. Tim Matheson, Tashira John Mathuri, Candy, John Candy. John Candy. Slim Pickens is in there. Uh, Just a lot of really well-known big names associated with this movie. A lot, really. Definitely. Should we we should probably talk about this. I mean, we're talking about who's in it. And you can probably tell by some of our tones what we think about this. All right. We're going to jump into this plot. You guys are going to have to help me. Maybe not Kyle, because you're lagging too hard. Sorry, bro. But uh, maybe you can help me, Brom, with uh, keep <laughs> keeping up with some stuff. All right. So we open and we get right away into the submarine action, which is good. Because I was actually a little worried back in the day when I used to connect things through 1941. Like, how much is a submarine? Is it just talked about? Do we really see the submarine? Oh, we see the submarine. And basically, it's, you know, captained by... A Japanese commander, um, Mitamura, and he is also carrying a Nazi um, officer uh, as well. And they have basically surfaced off the California coast after uh, Pearl Harbor, and they're going to bomb the mainland. But they don't want to just bomb anywhere on the mainland. They want to find something somewhere really special, and it has to be really, really honorable where they bomb. And so they decide to target Hollywood. They need to find Hollywood, though. And so they kind of go off trying to find, you know, Hollywood. At the same time, because everyone's kind of freaking out about the possibility of submarines, and I think maybe they were, the submarine was even, you know, spotted or something like that. Um, there's a tank division that kind of sets up at a uh, house and basically is like, okay, uh, we're gonna have a, you know, the, the, a anti-aircraft, anti-submarine, you know, thing set up at your house, and you know, that's where we get to meet Dan Aykroyd and his crew. Uh, which includes John Candy and stuff like that. And John Candy has a very minor role as basically a racist. Mm-hmm. So it's part of the many racist people uh, in the movie. And uh, John Candy is uh, top of top of the heap of uh, the racist characters um, as he plays an out and out racist uh, in this one. Same time we are which introduced- is just so like yeah different for John Candy. I like somebody the other day was talking about John Candy. Like oh. He's always just so good in whatever he's in, and he's such like a wholesome character. I'm like, you should have watched the scene 
or watch the shit that I just watched because <laughs> that's not the John Candy. Yeah, he was pretty. Like, it was pretty shocking, actually. The very first one he did when they they introduced kind of a, char- a uh, African American character who's going to be part of the crew or whatever is one of the scenes they get with him. And you're, he's just like straight up racist. And you're sitting there being like, I can't tell if I'm supposed to be like oh, laughing yeah. at this. Like, I don't, I'm not really sure what the tone is supposed to be uh, with this. But anyways, that's kind of besides the point. We are introduced to our main character who's a dishwasher, Wally Stevens. And he is trying to learn how to dance uh, because he is hell bent on dancing the night away and winning a dance contest uh, with his girlfriend. And basically, uh, he is... It's kind of funny because sometimes you think in the movie, oh, this guy probably is like a loser. Maybe the girl doesn't like him. But no, they like each other and they want to basically smooch and get married and like maybe even do a little more than smooching, guys. I don't know if you know, you know what that consists of, but mm-hmm. let's, let's <laughs> say they might be doing some smooching. And so anyways, but he's kind of like a – he's a bit of a dope and, and, and he ends up – uh, kind of uh, getting on the bad side of um, some of the uh, officers that are in the diner that he's working at. And he gets, ends up getting fired um, because he kind of causes a big fight and also screws up the whole kitchen with, with his dancing antics. And so he gets fired. At the same time, um, uh, I'm not, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Like, like John Belushi's whole storyline barely connects to the whole thing. He's like flying around. Um, convinced he's, he's, uh, chasing, um, Japanese, uh, fighters across California, um, which only come to play at the very, very end of the thing. At the same time, there's like a, the head of the military in California is going around. His aide ends up seeing a, a woman that he's interested in, uh, come around. Uh, that's Nancy Allen. And she is basically like, Someone he knows, and he is a, he's fully aware of the fact that she gets all hot and bothered if she's ever up in a airplane. And so basically, mm-hmm. like, he becomes obsessed with getting this lady onto an airplane so they can have sex. And so he does all kinds of, like, first it's like, oh, just get into this then, airplane. But then, oh, but he's got to, he's got to fly as well. It's got to fly. You got to, you got to be flying. And then they would definitely have sex. And that's the big problem too, right? Is he is an aide because he totally failed out of the flight. Right, he's only flown like a couple times. He can he can barely fly a plane. What a loser! Yeah, um, I know, right? We could do it definitely. Come on. Um, so, anyways, you get those kind of side things going on, uh, while at the same time, uh, where the tank or the anti aircraft stuff has been set up is where. Um, uh, the girlfriend of Wally is, and he goes over there to basically, I guess, just to see her, or what was it, to pick her up for the dance, or I don't know, talk to her. But anyways, his girlfriend does has a friend who does not like him, and also like this kind of like somewhat overweight, sex obsessed, you know, lady. Very odd character in the grand yeah, scheme yeah. of things. Um, but at the same time, the is and her dad hates him too. Dad hates him. Everyone hates him. He- so her dad hates him. And then like the military is over there, right? And then there's that one guy who gives off extremely rapey vibes. Super. No, not even not even vibes. Treat Williams. Not even vibes. Treat, treat Williams yeah. character. Not just vibes, but yeah. he is he is not he's an unpleasant pleasant fella. We'll say that. Very unpleasant. Yeah. And um, um Ned Beatty basically hates hates the um dishwasher because He's not in the military, right? And so there's even a scene where they sit down and Ned is like, you have to go to this USO dance tonight. And he's like, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to see a lot of strange men. They're from all over the, the world. And they want one thing. <laughs> Show them a good time. <laughs> what the hell am I watching here right now? <laughs> Ned Beatty, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost most of what you were saying there, um, but hopefully you're all right, man. Yeah, hopefully, uh, it was solid gold. Yeah, ho- it was just rock solid. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's hopefully there's not a big gap of no one talking for a while uh, in the middle of that one. Um, and so, anyways, you know, there's a whole scene of Wally trying to go after uh, the lady, but you know them getting in a big fight, and basically it seems like Wally is, is going to be left on left in the dust. Because even at the same time, off at the dance hall, they've decided they've got to be super patriotic. You can't be someone who's not in the military and get with all their ladies. The ladies who are dancing have to dance with military, you know, people. So it's it's going to be only the ladies plus anyone who's in the military. So Wally's kind of shit out of luck because he's decided he's not in the military. 
So he's, you know, not, not invited or whatever. And it's kind of unbeknownst to him. He's like all set. He's got like a, a suit all set. He's kind of like a, a fashion guy at that time too, you know, wearing a zoot suit and stuff like that. So, you know, he's ready to go to the dance hall and be like, you know, the stylish guy, but he's not even allowed in um, yeah. anymore. And, and they're encouraging the women, you know, these, these men are, are heroes and they're lonely right now. They're on shore leave or whatnot, or like, you, you gotta, you gotta take care of these men. You gotta serve. So he's hearing like his, his girlfriend's being sent off to, yeah. to treat these guys to a nice evening. Yeah. At the same time. So the listeners are going to hear that twice. It's going to be good. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so then the submarine. Did you already say it? That's what he said, apparently. Yeah, I did. That's what he said, apparently. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to shut my video off to see if that helps. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so then the submarine, it's kind of lost. Uh, it, it ends up at like a Christmas tree uh, shop or something, like a tree shop. Because they, they stop and they're looking for Hollywood and they find that guy, Hollis Wood. Right. And they grab him. They put him on the submarine. Uh, he ends up trying to like um, – uh, he ends up trying to like sabotage them or whatever or something, and they end up trying to have him, you know, poop out something. He has to go to the bathroom. They, they're trying to force him to go to the bathroom to poop out whatever he swallowed <laughs> that was on the submarine. And in the course of this, he's able to like escape uh, in the end. And so that's all like a kind of a side story. I mean, that's the thing. This is 146 minutes where only like 45 minutes are the main story of what you're talking about. Because there's like so many, so many people. There's like a Ferris wheel involved. There's two people sitting on a Ferris wheel looking for submarines and airplanes and stuff like that. And they all kind of like – there's like a web of interaction between these things. So they just kind of sit in this Ferris wheel for most of the movie and only come into play at the very end of what what's going on. Same thing with uh, Belushi. Belushi shows up here and there but really doesn't you know play a role until the very end. Um, the main storyline is this dance club and there uh, – you know, you have Satarsky, who's like the the Tree Williams character. He's trying to get Betty to dance while he's able to sneak in um, by uh, grabbing a, a a military suit, and they're like dancing the night away. And they basically do they win the whole competition? Is, is it as simple as that that he's able to break in and win the competition, and then get? Uh, he wins. Yeah, right. Basically, they sneak in. He wins the competition. Then there's a big brawl because everyone's like, "Hey, he's not like a military guy." Yeah. He's not really a military person or the person he, they stole the uniform from comes in. It's basically like he stole the uniform yes. and you get a huge brawl that, uh, that basically destroys, uh, the dance hall. And, um, uh, as a kind of the side thing, because so the, the person who really wants to have sex with, um, Nancy Allen, uh, he is going around trying to find an airplane to get her up, get, you know, get her up. And he eventually finds one. He's able to find an airplane and go up. And basically he's like the person he gra grabs the airplane from. He's like, there's no radio in here. Like, are you sure everything's like fine with us? Like going up, like no one's going to shoot us. Right. He's like, no, no, we'll let them know. And then they try to let them know, but their radio is out as well. So they're up in this airplane and Nancy Allen's getting like crazy hot. Cause he's flying this airplane <laughs> and basically trying to have sex with him. And he's actually like really nervous. Like he's, he gets up there. He's basically just like, stop like trying to have sex with me. Cause I have to really like focus, um, on flying. Cause he is not good at flying an airplane. At the same time, Belushi comes up behind him thinking that he's a Japanese zero, uh, and starts to chase him. And he can't uh, use a radio. LA. And then at the same time, all of LA goes onto high alert because wait a second, there's like a airplane that's going on a bombing run over us. So now there's two airplanes flying over. Everyone in LA is freaking out. Outside of the dance hall, all of the, the crew, like Dan Aykroyd, stuff like that, they come out in a tank and they're basically trying to, uh, you know, get ready to shoot down this, you know, airplane and stuff like that, which uh, they do, right? Do they shoot down? Which one do they shoot down? They shoot down... No, they don't shoot... The... Um, no, never mind. It's it's uh it's Belushi shoots down. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they they end up flying and on over. his way, and he see he see he flies over the uh, Japanese submarine too. I don't know if you said that or not, because he does see that and yep. references that there's also a Japanese sub on the coast. Right, and then so like they they fly over the Japanese submarine, but Belushi shoots the uh, Belushi shoots shoots down Matheson and Nancy Allen. They fly back into LA and they crash. In the La Brea tar pits. Into the tar pits. While Belushi turns around, he gets shot by 
um, I can't even remember, probably like the submarine or the Ferris wheel or <laughs> yeah, right. I have no <laughs> can't idea. Remember Someone either. shoots a, and they crash into LA. So he's, he's in LA having crashed, uh, in his thing at the same time, the submarine is out there. So we have Ned Beatty at his house with his anti-aircraft, you know, and he's shooting, you know, at the submarine, basically destroys his house trying to shoot at the submarine. Uh, basically the, the gun keeps on like, you know, in, in you know, recoiling and, and shooting or he's shooting through the house and he has to aim through the house know, to get, and he just yeah, keeps on shooting. Yeah. He's destroying his own house, uh, trying to shoot this thing. And then the people on the Ferris wheel also are shooting at the submarine and then the submarine shoots at them and the Ferris wheel comes off or something and it falls yeah, into, the into the ocean. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy whole scene happens at the, the whole time the, the, <laughs> the commander of the U S army in LA is sitting in a, uh, showing of Dumbo, which is like a very, I actually think it's probably the funniest scene <laughs> in the entire thing, which is somehow, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but it's like this juxtaposition of this commander sitting there and basically like crying at certain scenes of Dumbo, which also happens to be like, you know, have some pretty racist scenes in there as well. It's kind of like this funny, funny thing they do. Uh, and actually very, very Spielbergian to have that in there as well. He's very, he's, he is very much obsessed with the idea of like innocence in cinema and like, you know, this kind of showing uh, a commander of the, of the military and this like time of war being kind of moved and, and wanting to not wanting to leave the safety of watching this cartoon in a, a movie theater that he doesn't want to go outside and deal with the actual war. He would rather watch this cartoon elephant and like cry as it like learns to fly and says goodbye to its mom and stuff like that. Um, so I thought that was kind of like a, a fun little side thing that's going on. Uh, and then, um, was that pretty much it? What happens to the, what happens even to the submarine? They, they, they kick the Nazi off. They, they kick them off the submarine. They're like fed up with them. Played by Christopher Lee, by the way. Yeah. The great Christopher Lee. And then... Yeah, I don't remember what happens to the sub. Yeah, it just kind of... I think it dives and goes away. Basically, it's like, this was dishonorable. And they leave. And then uh, that's pretty much... That's pretty much it. It's like, then it's Christmas or something. That's that. And the house... Does the house fall into the ocean? Yeah, like it, it like collapses. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah. 1941. It's a crazy time. <sighs> not not the best movie named after a year, I would say. What would you say is the best one? <laughs> 1901. I, don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen 1917. 1917. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Oh my one. god! Yeah, you haven't seen that one? There's so many. Uh, I can't remember what the name of the movie. There was there was a 1943 movie. There's a 1942. I was trying to find this movie because I'm like, which what, what's the name of the movie? Watching, I forget. Like, was it 1943? I'm like, oh no, that's not it. And then I looked up it's, 1942. It's probably, like, 2000, no, it's probably 2001. A space Odyssey. Oh, that is a good one. I have not seen that one either yet. Stanley Kubrick. Uh, that's um, my buddy Tyler's favorite movie. I think Zach really loves it too. Yeah, that's probably it. I gotta, I'd have to think, but that's probably. Oh, we know Zach. Zach's a member of the podcast. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's 1941. I mean, if you ranked Spielberg films that you've seen, where would you put it? At the bottom? Is there what? Is there a Spielberg film you say, "Oh no, this is better than that one"? Bro, it's a great question. I got to pull up his catalog here. He's got an extensive one. <sighs> he does. Can you guys we hear can. me? I'm not, if you were talking before, um, we probably couldn't. Yeah, right. AI wasn't a very good movie. Um, this was better than this. this. Was better than this. <laughs> um, I mean, so many great ones. Let's see. He has some good ones. I mean, I don't know. Like a lot of people, like I, it's funny because I've been watching a lot of them. Like I did not really like Ready Player One. I can't get into that movie either. And I don't know why, because everything about who I am and what I'm into screams, you should love this movie. But I just can't Yeah, it's get weird. Into I think it's, I think it's not particularly well written, which is funny because it usually he'll get his own people in there and, and kind of smooth things over. It doesn't feel yeah. like he smoothed that one over very well. And I also don't think he got the best. He's usually very, very good with young performers. And I didn't think he got very good performances out of the younger actors in Ready Player One. So that one's kind of near the bottom of what I was seeing. It's actually funny because I was expecting to really hate the BFG, but I actually quite enjoyed the BFG, which is weird because, yeah, I came into being like, oh, I'm going to hate BFG. 
Then I watched, I was like, well, that was pleasant. I sure did enjoy watching the BFG. That was no big deal to me. So yeah, Ready Player One's on there. I mean, a lot of people shit on Indiana Jones, the Kingdom of the Crystal yeah, Skull, I was but like, say, but that's still that's better fine. Than yeah, that whatever. The Terminal is kind of a, a kooky one. I still say it's probably uh, probably still slightly better than this one. Lost World Jurassic Park, I don't like, but it's better than this one. That's for sure. Um, uh, Hook is always at the bottom of certain lists for them, but I mean, it's more ambitious. A lot of people, and, yeah. a lot of people didn't like War of the Worlds. Yeah, although yeah, I think I, at the time I did not like War of the Worlds very much. But that is they're all they're all fine movies though compared to this. This was an actively It's funny, movie. yeah. I, I don't think I don't think I'd put this at the last. Like I think it's possible that I would do Ready Player One below it. Really? I think I, it's possible I would put uh the terminal below nineteen forty one. But other than that, like Sugarland Express is early, and so you can kind of forgive it, but it's it's not great. And you, so you'd you'd say nineteen forty one is definitely more ambitious and more interesting to look at. Than something like Sugarland so, Express. That's not Sugarland Express's fault. It's just the story is different. So yeah, this has to be among Robert Zemeckis's work worst as well. I don't know. He's had some rough. He's had rough patches lately in a lot of what he's been doing. Think about what led up to 1941. Right, you're sitting there looking at these lists. Right, Jaws 1975, Close Encounters of the Third Time of the Third Kind 1977. Then two years later, 1941, yeah. this. After those two, you're going to give us this well, movie? Well, not that, but then it's like Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. So you have like surrounding 1941 or four of arguably like the best movies ever made. Uh, and in the middle, he has 1941. <laughs> and, and the story, it's, like, it's kind of funny because the story this? that goes along with it is kind of him saying that he didn't know how to let go. That like... When you, think, when you hear the stories about Jaws, part of it's like uh, he had these ambitious ideas of the shark, but he had to do something creative because the shark basically didn't work. And like, as far as special effects goes, it would have looked super dumb if the shark was like popping out everywhere. So he had to do this whole thing where he would never show the shark because the shark didn't work. And he went way over budget, way over time and all this kind of stuff with Jaws. And yeah, and then with 1941, he's got so much clout because he's got Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind that he can get whatever he wants made, but he still has the hands tight on the steering wheel. He's just like gripping too hard. And so he was part of everything. And then he, you know, his, his, in his words, and this is like the interviews that he gives, he basically said he kind of forgot to make it funny. Cause it's supposed to be a comedy, but like he kind of forgot to make sure that amongst all these special effects and miniature work that he spent so much time on, he didn't spend enough time thinking about what the movie was really supposed to be, you know, in the end, which was a comedy. And it just became yeah. too scattered and too much. And even trying to recap it, it's like, oh, yeah, and that thing. Oh, yeah, and that thing. Oh, yeah, and those characters and this thing happening and whatever. And, you know, it just didn't – it didn't make a lot of sense putting it all together. And it was it was actively kind of a hard watch, which is unusual for a Spielberg film. There's not many you'd point yeah. to and be like, oh, this is hard to get through because usually his movies, even the long ones, kind of flow – because he knows how to tell a story in a way that like puts you at ease and you just want to like watch the movie. And this is almost the yeah. opposite. Yeah, it had a couple jokes that were, you know, kind of a la uh, airplane or hot shots or some of these like send up satires, but but not enough to be one of those types of movies. And it just kind of found itself kind of stuck in between trying to have a plot and trying to be kind of slapstick. Yeah, I'd almost say I, parody. I can't remember even even a funny part that I liked. I liked the things that I liked were the Dumbo stuff, and I liked the miniature work at the end. Like I actually did think visually, the end was My very f- interesting. Like the the planes flying over LA and stuff like that. It's like, wow, that's all miniature stuff. That's just not what yeah. you see anymore. You don't. You, it's all computer graphics now. So seeing that, you're like, whoa, someone built all that. You can tell they're miniatures, so it's not like perfect or anything like that. But it's it's kind of cool to look at and just be, see all the stuff they built and did. Like the Ferris wheel falling into the ocean, that's all like a tank and miniatures and stuff. It's kind of a cool thing to look at. Uh, yeah, I end. completely agree. That was when the movie kind of hit its stride. Uh, the tank driving through the town to get to the, the beach or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, when it drove through the paint factory and it was just covered in paint. It was like tie-dye multicolor, and then it drove through a turpentine factory, and then it was completely clean when it came out. Like, that was the funniest part of the movie for me. <laughs> Kyle, in the six-minute inter- in six intervals that you watched it in, what was your favorite six minutes that you ended up seeing? 
Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> what did I like? I have no idea why, but there's just that time when John Belushi makes it to that <laughs> random airstrip and the guy's like, you can tell they're star for action, right? He's like, I want to hear your guns. <laughs> yeah, He's like, what? He's like, your guns. He's like, I did like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like, all right, whatever. And then John Belushi's just like, all right. And just like lights up their entire base with his guns. And he's like, yeah, loving it. And I was like, that was it. That's pretty much it. It's <laughs> just like, I don't get it, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked when they were the I liked when they were the Christmas trees mm-hmm. and the guy was trying to cut down the Christmas trees and that was just and so the guy stupid. Hopped. Yeah, the guy jumped over the the axe blade. He's always good at the at the visuals and the action stuff. Like that's the thing. Like like even movies, I I'm not like I was surprised. I didn't in this whole rewatch that I've done of a lot of his movies, I, I, I was surprised to find that I didn't really like Empire of the Sun, which a lot of people do like, and and I think was well received at the time that it came out and stuff like that. But one thing you can point to and be like whoa, those are some cool action scenes. Because they have some scenes with airplanes where you're like, those are real airplanes. Like, he got real airplanes. It's kind of the same thing you feel when you saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters and stuff like that. You're like, whoa, those are real airplanes. Mm-hmm. And so there's something kind of cool about that. It's actually the only thing that's good about um, Pearl Harbor, <laughs> the movie Pearl Harbor, which is a pretty bad movie. But at the same time, you look and be like, whoa, some of the stuff they do, it's like pretty cool. Uh, visually and and yeah you can kind of point to stuff here where you're like oh that visual gag with the christmas trees like that was good you kind of like, kind of enjoy things like that and so whenever it was visual whenever it was something that he was get, got to play with in terms of something you know heartfelt like the dumbo stuff but every time it was something funny it was like the weird you know, john candy thing Terrible. where you're like this isn't funny this isn't funny yeah john candy yeah. he should make it that, funny and then and then a lot of the comedy reminded me of like, I don't, I don't know, just so dated. Didn't find, I didn't find it funny at all. And there was like times I thought, oh, well, maybe people thought this was funny back in the day, like Three Stooges type stuff, slapstick or whatever. But then you watch some of the behind the scenes and Steven Spielberg talks about how people in America hated this movie. So even back then, nobody was no. finding it funny. <laughs> he said it found much better footing with a European audience. For whatever reason, um, but just American audiences, us. It was a little Monty Python, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess I, I guess I don't even know. Yeah, if you're talking about European, maybe it's just like the French, right? Broad, you know. I think it is. It is one of those cases where you have <laughs> the French. Yeah, yeah I kind of left it hanging there, but no, like when you when if you don't speak English, you need something that can kind of like bridge the gap. A little bit. Like, and this is, I mean, this is an stuff, era but. where we were just miles ahead of, of in Hollywood. I'm right. saying, like, we were miles ahead of anything that people were able to produce right. globally. Yeah. So if you're talking like France and Italy and stuff like that, you can definitely imagine, you know, you don't need to read the subtitles. If you don't have subtitles, it's fine. Because visually, you're kind of sitting there being like, cool. Yeah. Funny. Like, the, you know, the gags are broad. So, you know, someone falling or a big fight and all that kind of stuff. And so you can kind of see, you know, different audiences reacting differently. I do think there was, I mean, if I was going to pull out some trivia, it would really be the fact that there was a lot of people who took umbrage with the uh, the depiction here, just because I think it was still, even in, in 1979, a little bit unusual to have a World War II kind of parody almost. And 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 it, it isn't totally blunt. Like, you know, so the stuff, as I've mentioned, I like the Dumbo stuff. But more in a today's sensibility. Back in 1979, I'm not sure someone watching the commander of the U.S. military, you know, not being bothered by a fight and like breaking out in L.A. and instead wanting to watch a cartoon. Like that's a little sharp, uh, maybe for 1979. I'm not sure people are necessarily flocking to the theaters to see, you know, something like that. Again, at the same time, there are there's a lot of satires that were coming out at that time. They just were. A lot funnier, <laughs> something like uh, Doctor Strangelove or something like that, right? Like, it's just generally a funnier movie. So maybe people, you know, are allow allow a little bit more with that. If you're laughing, then you're like, okay, fine. But this isn't mm-hmm. funny, and they're offended by it. So then they're like, well, I don't like that then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a great combo. All right, should we get into some ratings? Yeah, I feel for like I've given my. I mean, I usually yeah, I I've kind of said all my stuff. I usually go second. I may as well go first because I've said everything that I wanted to say about my reactions to this film. I'm going to come in at an even five. I don't think it's, I think it's not. What? I don't think it's, I don't think it's great. 
I, I don't think it's horrible. I think it's got things that are good in it. I think there's a reason why it was nominated for a few uh, Academy Awards and all that. Um, but yeah, not. I wouldn't. I'm not going to go any further than that. I don't think it's. I think it's got a lot of problems. So I'm going to go five. Okay. Um, Seems very generous. You think sir. it's generous? I, I, oh, I, I thought maybe you were saying that you were surprised they gave. I went kind of not like a six or something like that. But no, I, I mean, no. I, I can see what you're saying. I, I understand going lower than that too. But I think there's there's enough positive things to kind of let it be in the middle in the end. Yeah, I think there's enough miniature work that was impressive. Uh, there was some visual treats there and then i mean it did have some authentic you know submarine content uh a little bit of a different feel and take on all of that but outside of that again there was like one one joke that i really appreciated and outside of that it, it just kind of lost its way the the, the plot that kind of held it all together was boring and then the jokes just missed the mark time after time i'm gonna come in here at a three mm-hmm. So, so is that the same as Steel Sharks in the end? Or what are you thinking? I would watch Steel Sharks above this. I think I got Steel Sharks at like a three and a half. You know what? I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I probably also would watch Steel Sharks before this one. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Steel Sharks is a fun movie. I have never faced down a challenge like this in my life. This legitimately took me at least 18 separate attempts to watch this movie all with full intention of sitting down mm-hmm. and being able to finish. Yeah, I believe it. You would text us when you're like going in, like I'm going to get it. some minutes in. I'm going to finish it. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm like, I get like 10 minutes in. I'm like, I can't do it. I <laughs> <laughs> just can't do this. I don't know what it was. I didn't find it funny. I thought it was impossibly long, but it just kept going and going and going. And as I alluded to earlier, Steven Spielberg literally had like Jaws and then Close Encounters of the Third Kind is his two movies leading up to this. And then you deliver us this, which is crazy to me. Um, it's so chaotic. Listening to you talk about the, uh, with the recap, it's, it's hilarious to listen to because you're like, oh, and then this, and then this, and this. And if somebody, somebody listening, if you think, did they even watch this? But yeah, we, we did watch this. But that's how chaotic it is. It jumps all over the place. It's so hard to figure out, like, just all these different moving pieces. Yeah, like, it's, it's, just to say, it's like weirdly structured almost like two halves of a film where they they have to throw in, like, there's some some storylines like, okay, we'll show it in the beginning and we'll show it at the end. And you only get two. And there's some storylines like, we'll show it at the beginning, yeah. we'll show it in the middle, and we'll show it at the end. And then they have two chunks that kind of are in between beginning, middle, end. That kind of gives the main storyline, but they have to throw so much in that they keep on getting squeezed, squeezed, squeezed until you just have these two chunks that are yeah. so tiny. It's just like dance scene and then like airplane chase. And those are like the two things you get to see and then a bunch of shit that are in the beginning, middle and end. And that's they yeah. have to just somehow have to shuffle all these things together to be like, right? It's like a storyline. You're like, kind of. And then here's yeah. your movie. Like, really? And you're like, I don't fully understand this. Um, but I mean... Production quality, as we talked about with like <sighs> submarine and the miniature work, as you guys mentioned, it is pretty impressive. But ultimately, if I never have to watch this movie again, I will be so thrilled. If my kids ever come up to me and I'm like, Dad, there's this Steven Spielberg movie we want to watch, 1941. <laughs> I'm like, well, you guys can go ahead and get lost, or I'm going to go get lost because yeah. you can watch that and punish yourselves. I'm Wait, not going to do Kyle, it. Sorry, Kyle, when's your so birthday? I was going though? through. Oh, yeah, great. No, you're not getting me this. Get the 4K, the 4K Ultra, Ultra HD form. <laughs> Steelbook collector's I'm getting edition. A, I'm getting a, a comic tie into the film, which apparently was made. Are you serious? It says. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, ultimately, I was, I was sitting here just looking at my reviews of what I ranked of, like, the bottom of the barrel, right? I'm not going to the bottom, the very, very bottom, because you guys know what that is, and that one's terrible. Stinger, but that James McAvoy, that James McAvoy one submergence, I gave a point one two, and I'm gonna come in what? just under that under point under one the one. James, Mac- would, James McAvoy movie. I would rather no watch. Way. That I would again. never watch that. Movie. Uh, <laughs> never, never yeah. watch that movie. This movie is terrible, man. Come on, 
<laughs> I've never, I've never tried to watch something that many times. It was outrageous, disgusting, disgusting. He was disgusted. Disgusting. Brown, he was disgusted at the yeah. movie. I heard, I heard him. Jamie, you said a five and a point one two. Oh, point one one. Yeah. Okay. All right. All righty. Should I get into some trivia? I'm. I've been inspired by Kyle right here in terms of him saying he never wants to watch this movie ever again. So I'm gonna. I think as my trivia, I'm just gonna tell you all the different home media releases of this that you could probably partake in and you could potentially collect and have all your versions of 1941. So after the success of this 1980 special edition of Close Encounters, Spielberg was given permissions to create his own extended cut from 1941 to represent his original director's cut. And this was done for network television. So the first time it was shown was network television. It's only shown on ABC, but was seen years later on the Disney Channel. Okay, right? So it was first released on VHS and Betamax. So we can have both those versions for you in 1980. Good. Uh, and then in uh, 1986 and 1990, they released different versions or, or basically further releases of those VHS and Betamaxes. A similar extended version was then released on LaserDisc in 1995. So do you have a LaserDisc, LaserDisc player? Not yet, but so you're you have to give me one. <laughs> it was a uh, yeah. So, uh, so it included a 101 minute documentary featuring, inter- featuring interviews with Spielberg, John Milius, Robert Zemeckis, Bob Gale, uh, Michael Kahn, John Williams, and others. Um, it also had isolated music scores, so you could play this music score over and over again for your kids. And three different theatrical, three everything. It's got everything. That laser disc, you know, forget about it. You'd love it. Anyways. The cut was later released on VHS in 1998, then on DVD in 1999. So first DVD release, 1999, we'll get you that original one. Or maybe you can get it from the library, Brary Bros. Uh, yeah. And so that DVD includes all the features from a LaserDisc, which I think is kind of unusual. LaserDiscs usually were like primo stuff, but this got everything. Uh, it was released again on DVD in 2000 in a box set, uh, which included both Animal House and Blues Brothers. Animal House, Blues Brothers, 1994 or 1941, uh, John Belushi box set. And then uh, in uh, 2014, Universal Pictures released it on Blu-ray as part of Steven Spielberg's director's collection box set. Um, And it it featured both the theatrical and extended version. So maybe you're not feeling that 146 minutes. Maybe you're feeling 118 minutes, Kyle, and you could just check out the theatrical release, right? And then a standalone Blu-ray version was released uh, May 5th, 2015. So we can get you both those Blu-rays, depending on what you want. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, there was a magazine-sized comic tie-in to the film that was produced uh, by Arrow Books. It's outrageous, the amount of content for 19. I know. They do a lot of – I mean, that's that's kind of the benefit of being a Steven Spielberg film, is you get a lot of releases The 1941 like Extended Universe. Uh, don't tempt me. All right, Brom. <laughs> um, don't threaten me with a good time. And so, uh, should I do, I got to do my, um, what did I call it? Phantom Zone. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. He's out of practice. I'm out of practice. All right. So, you're not the only one who didn't like the film, Kyle, in the end. Because Ned Beatty's in this, also known as Ned Beatty Harris. He left... Uh, the Ned and Ned show. Basically, they had their own variety hour prior to 1941, uh, which ran from 1974 to 1978, um, starring Ed Harris and Ned Beatty Harris. Uh, and uh, Ned uh, Beatty was like, I got this great part in this new film, 1941. I'm leaving. And Ed Harris, his uh, exact quote was, you know, that was an important war. And you're making fun of a war that cost thousands of lives at Pearl Harbor. Don't joke about World War II. So that was the last words he ever spoke to his brother, Ned Beatty Harris. Don't joke about World War II. Man, it was tough. Wow. It's brutal. Yeah. And so he didn't. He didn't joke about World War II. That's what they made in 1941. Hey! <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> he landed the plane. I like that. Uh, better than the people in this film did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah buddy. There we go. Um, I did. Did you want to do a Jeopardy as well? I've got okay, it. Yeah. I got it. So December twenty no. third, nineteen ninety nine. They did a whole Spielberg uh, round on Jeopardy, right? So, 
So oh, the, here we go. So the different here categories we were Steven Spielberg, Indiana Jones, Duel, which was his first one. Have you guys ever seen Duel? No. I have not. Well, I don't know. I can't hear you. Uh, no. Then Jaws, <laughs> The Lost World, <laughs> and 1941. So we're going to be going with the 1941 category. Oh, my God. If uh, you guys are ready. I don't know. Kyle, are you ready? All right. Oh, 1941 ready. category, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. Kyle, I believe you had the lower score this time for 1941. Yeah, give me a, the 100. <clears throat> Let's walk this This brown out. bomber successfully defended his heavyweight title for the 17th time on May 23rd, 1941. Brown bomber, heavyweight title. Oh, my God. 1941. I have no idea. Any idea, Brum? No, I don't know my fighters. That is Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. 1941. Oh, Joe we Lewis. should know that. All right, Brum. Let's let's destroy Kyle with this next one. What do you think? 200, 300, 400, 500? What are you going to crush him with? Uh, 300. 300. It's like this. See, bogey bright in this dark. John Houston directed film which premiered October 3rd. It's like this sea bogey brighten this dark John Houston directed film, which premiered October 3rd. Now, do you know bogey? Do you know who I'm referring to? <laughs> bogey? Bogey. It's like this sea no. bogey. So uh, I'm going to, uh, if you're okay with this, Kyle, I'm going to let him know who bogey is. Is that okay? Oh, let him uh, know. It's Humphrey know. Bogart. So we're looking for a Humphrey oh. Bogart film. He brightened this dark John Huston directed film, which premiered October 3rd, 1941. Humphrey Bogart. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I don't know. All right, Kyle. You said you're doing the buzz? I may. Is it, it is Bogart? not. Now, it's interesting because this was... Is it the it Maltese Falcon? It is the Maltese Falcon. Falcon. I was, was going to guess you the gotta, Maltese you gotta Falcon. Do, you got to do... You gotta, you gotta, <sighs> the, the hint was dark. Right, because yeah. I think there's three main films you want to be thinking about with Humphrey Bogart there. You want to be thinking Casablanca. You want to be thinking about Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And you want to be thinking Maltese Falcon. But only one of those is really dark. I mean, they're all dark in some way. But I've know, actually really guessed Falcon. the Maltese Falcon correctly for a different question you've asked uh-huh. on the pod. Not this time. Kyle. Really? That's I'm like, there's no like, release bird. There's like, like the, the last true. time there, actually, there, was, there was a bird reference. Yeah, that's a good point. They, they probably should have done that. All right, Kyle, you're in the lead. Negative 100 to negative 300. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, negative. <laughs> no, I, I answered on both, right. so. What do you want? 200, 400, <sighs> 500. Okay. Give me 400. Let's so go. This seems to be the hardest category I've ever given because it's about history. And you guys weren't <laughs> alive as far as God. I know in 1941. On June 7th, Whirl Away became only the fifth horse to win this coveted trifecta. It's easy. What is the it triple crown? It is the triple crown. crown. What an easy, stupid How is 400. That, the, that, is that is the dumb. Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. Thank God. Right. I feel like you got to go 500, right? Yeah, give me the 500. All right. So we're going to go. Fearing German occupation, U.S. forces took control of this North Atlantic island nation on July 7th. Fearing German occupation, U.S. forces took control of this North Atlantic island nation on July 7th. Uh, what is Greenland? Oh, that's what not is true. Iceland? It is Iceland. Island uh, nation. Island nation. What are we taking all of Greenland? What's even there? Uh, no one even gives a shit about Greenland. Ice. Sorry, Greenland. Sorry. How many listeners do we have in Greenland? Yeah, to our Greenland listeners. I did not mean that. We love you. <laughs> all right, you guys got a buzz. What, in? what are what are they called? Greenlanders. Uh, I would mean? I would assume so. Although okay. who knows. Uh, greenish, let's let, the, greenish let's, the, green, the greenish people let, let, let's let them tell us what they want to <laughs> okay. be referred to let's not guess uh, um, all right you get a buzz damn. in for the 200 uh, not my best on february 14th this general's africa corp corps arrived in tripoli on january 14th this general's africa corps arrived in tripoli brahm yes buzz is it Patton? It is not Patton. You got to be thinking Africa. Actually, if you, you you if you see that if you were able to see the thing, you'd know is they're looking for a German general. German general. Oh, I don't. Uh, I forget. So yeah, this would be the German general 
who basically led the campaign in Africa during World War II. I forget, yeah. I forget the main one. I forget the main one. Oh man, I can't answer because then I lose well, it's, points. It is, it is Rommel. It is Rommel. Rommel. Damn it. Yeah. There we go. That's 1941. The hardest. Well, I wouldn't say it's the hardest one because Kyle, you got a you got a real cupcake crown. there for 400. A, but otherwise, it was a, it was a really that's hard a layup. Uh, really hard it, it was extra hard. Uh, Jamie was cutting out for me now too. I don't know what the hell's going oh, on. Oh really? Sorry about that. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Blame Discord. I blame Kyle actually. <clears throat> All right. Damn it, Kyle. Yeah, you probably should. It's new house, internet, Wi-Fi, lame sauce. All right. You guys, you ready? Super ready. Extra ready. This is exciting. This one's exciting. This one is exciting. It's, it's subs, subs, subs. World. World. Wide. 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 From Oakley, Ohio, a suburb of Cincinnati, Towering high above Filipino action movie star Wang Wang <laughs> at a height of five foot nine, born February fifth, nineteen forty, siring not one, not two, but three children, including a star from Steel Sharks with a lucky coin, weighing in Billy at Warlock? an undisclosed mm-hmm. weight. Stunt legend Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock. Let's go. For- Dick Warlock worldwide. So he was, which, what, he was, was he, I guess you'll do them in. I'll let you explain. I was going to ask what, what he's done. I know he's famous for a particular character, I think. Oh yeah. He is. If he, you look at Dick Warlock's IMDb page, it's quite impressive. The name itself demands respect. Um, it's quite incredible. You might know him. From starring as Michael Myers in Halloween 2. He is also in the movie we just watched, 1941. And he is in these other films that you may have heard of. The Abyss, Jaws, The Thing, Commando, Spaceballs, The Rocketeer, Casino, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, 2002. That was his last movie. And then Jamie's personal favorite, Tango Love and Cash. It. Wait, was he just doing uh, mostly stunts in these things? Or was he actually characters in these things? So he was like the stuntman for, um, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking on him. His name, Kurt Russell, hmm. for like 25 years. Oh, I sure he guessed, was yeah. the go-to guy. But yeah, he is big into, huge into stunts. So, like I said, originally from outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, his family moved to Southern California in 1953, and young Dick dreamed of being in the show business. So at 13 years old, he was writing letters to studios to do stunts. Studios were like, you're 13 years old, we're not going to have you come do stunts. Um, So in the meantime, he was like, well, what else could I do? So he had a couple different ambitions. The first thing he did was build a wrestling ring in his backyard to become a professional wrestler. And I guess his used his sister as a wrestling partner. She was not super fond of it based on <laughs> what, what he wrote. First time she landed on the ground where the ring was built, just like, I'm done with that. Um, afterwards, he became interested in speed skating. And he was even coached by Ralph. Valderez, who is a national speed skating champion and a member of the L.A. Braves roller derby team. Eventually, though, he abandoned his speed skating aspirations because the money was not good. It's not where his heart truly lied. He ended up getting married, and one day his wife and him went to a movie ranch called Corganville, where they were doing like a live-action western type thing. Or you can go, you know, like a reenactment type situation. And he was like just enamored with it. Like, yes, I want to, this is what I want to do. This is my way in. And so he went and asked to get a part. The guy's like, come back next week. And he said he went there three weekends in a row, constantly getting told, come back next week. And then you can have a part. And eventually he was able to get a part. He got, but he was just in like the background, wasn't thrilled. Eventually something came up where he got to get on the like big stage and do a big fall. And everybody was like, yes, this guy's legit. Um, 
They ended up taking him around to different studios, even got introduced to Walt Disney, worked for Disney for 10 years. Um, He met somebody, an actor who was celebrating their 18th birthday on a movie they started working on. That guy was none other than Kurt Russell, who, as I said, he was a stuntman for many years. Then he goes on and talks a little bit about stunts because like, he doesn't want to belittle the actors or anything like that. He's like, Kurt Russell, obviously super fit, you know, as fit as some of the other stuntmen could have done his own stunts, but there's all kinds of insurance regulations and stuff where the studios do not want the actors to potentially get hurt and delay filming because that's happened before. But then he even goes on to talk about that he had a friend who was doing stunts and they were doing a high fall scene. The guy died and the film crew just covered him up and kept shooting the film. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like a cold-blooded thing. But incredible name. And you can find all this information at dickwarlock.com. I've actually heard that's not uncommon, that if there's like an injury or a death during a stunt, it's like code that if they can salvage the, the scene and use it in the film, that it's like that's the right thing to do because a guy like died do it, getting it. Well, if you could yeah. do that. But I mean, shouldn't you think you would like you would stop? Uh, maybe that'll make it harder to get the stunt in the movie. I don't know. I mean, but like, not just like, oh, hey, just cover up that body and let's keep yeah, shooting, that'd be tough. right? Nowadays, I guess you could like edit and be like, hey, you know, maybe we should get this. <laughs> I didn't know. One thing I'm looking at, this, I'm now looking body at idea. his son, obviously Billy Warlock, famed, famed uh, uh, actor in this. I didn't realize he was, uh, you ever heard of the movie Mr. Payback? So Mr. Payback not. is an interactive movie. It was basically a movie where like you press buttons to say yeah. what you wanted the movie to do. It was like choose your own adventure. And they shot yeah. a bunch of different alternate versions of different things. And so the movie would like play out differently depending on what the audience voted it to do. And it was this giant bomb, a huge bomb. And like in yeah, theaters. In theaters. It's just like no one went to it. No one liked it. It cost a bunch because you had to put in these like voting systems into the thing. It was like a disaster, like money, money wise. Um, but hmm. then they released the only time it's ever been released has been on Laserdisc because it's the only technology where you could really, you know, show everything you wanted to show or at the time, but it's never been released since. So it's yeah. really, really hard to see. Uh, but he was the main character. I didn't realize that, that he was, he's Mr. Payback. Yeah. He plays Mr. Payback. I didn't realize that. Huh. Never. Interesting. Never heard of that. Never heard of Mr. Payback. Sounds interesting. It was on no, Ebert. Sounds interesting. Uh, Roger Ebert had listed as like his least favorite movie of the year or something one year. But it's one of these things yeah. that no one, you can't find it. You can't, you get there's like bits and pieces of it on the internet, but you can't, there's mm-hmm. nowhere where they have like the whole movie. You know, last time. I feel like now though, you could, you could do it. I mean, Black Mirror did that with one of theirs, mm-hmm. right? So they should release it. What you're saying is they should release it. Bandersnatch. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, should. It would be so much easier to vote. They absolutely now. should. But that's we're ready. Dick Warlock worldwide. I liked it. I, for one, liked it, Kyle. I, for one, also liked it, Kyle. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. I think a lot of people are going to like it, so I don't think I'm going to have to do much convincing, but we'll see. Hit me with it. Tube three ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Give it to me. All right, folks, so we got a countdown tonight. We watched a satirical film here in 1941, you know, watching the satire. One of my most favorite um, countdowns I ever did was when I looked at tabloid headlines. I thought, you know, what would be more fun than to bring it back, get it updated for 2023 here um, with uh, with uh, the satirical uh, media we find on our, our news shelves, on the racks at the grocery store. Those tabloids, some of the best headlines I've seen. Here we go, the top tabloid headlines for 2023. <clears throat> number 10. We'll, we'll move through these at a pretty quick clip here. But number 10, snowball fight kills six. <laughs> snowball fight kills six. Okay. Snowball fight kill six. Number nine, 
mini mermaid found in tuna sandwich in quotation okay that's good i asked for extra mayo and got this says iowa man in iowa yeah mini mini (laughs) or just iowa man mini mermaid found in tuna sandwich i asked for extra mayo and got this says iowa man wow number eight i died and spent 20 minutes in hell (laughs) okay usually it's the opposite for this guy has a very real version of his of his life number seven vegan vampire attacks trees okay You don't like that one? No, I know. I don't like that one. I like that one. (laughs) (sighs) Number six, Barbara Streisand moans, I was happier as a beatnik. (laughs) Oh my God, who's that for? (laughs) I don't (laughs) Who's buying that? Dude, you're not into Barbara Streisand uh, tablets right now? No, I was happier as a beatnik? You're not into the right stuff, man. (laughs) Right? Uh, Number five, this was an actual, this was an actual newspaper headline. Headless body and topless bar. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <clears throat> that's a good one. Was that was that New York Post? I think it might have been actually. New York Post. Yeah. yeah, they're they're usually pretty clever with that kind of stuff. I I made this months ago, so we gotta remember. I can't quite remember most of these. Number four, trick cigar blows man's head off. <laughs> Number three, fat cat owns twenty three old ladies. <laughs> All right. See, sometimes you just like just jokes. Uh, Bro, I'm not even good. Hold it together over there. Uh, number two, man's 174 mile per hour sneeze blows wife's hair off. <laughs> just clear okay. off. Uh, and here we go. This one's for Kyle. Number one, Gordon Ramsay sex dwarf eaten by badger. Wow. <laughs> Wait. So hold on. Is this like a continuing series? <laughs> There's a I lot know, to it. It seems like it's giving, you know, it's assuming oh some amount gosh. of knowledge here. Is this, yeah. is this Gordon so, Ramsay's personal sex? Sorry, I'm not sure about offensive terms here, but like, is it uh, <laughs> his personal sex dwarf or is this a sex dwarf who is, I guess, like an imitator? Looks, yeah. like, looks like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> pro, pro, I don't know. I mean, I, I could go read the actual article. You know what? It's kind of like up to our own interpretation. And I don't know if we want to Google that. <laughs> That's true. That's an incognito put on some right there. That's what we're yeah. going to look at. Might not get your mortgage. It's also one of those things. It's a weird thing. Like you can, it's, uh, you can read the article but not learn anything if you think about it. Oh, yeah, true. I, guess, see, I, I think I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh but those are my updated uh, top tabloid headlines for 2023. Wow. I'm loving that. I'm, I'm loving, loving it. it. Not a sponsor. <gasps> but they could be. Thank you for listening to Submersion. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating wherever you listen. Want to interact with us? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also love to get messages from all of you. If you have a suggestion, a comment, or just anything you'd like to share, please email us at maceaststudios at gmail.com.